Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. What's the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the filling of the Holy Spirit? In today's episode, Francis Chan invites us to cast off all unbelief and seek our Heavenly Father for the good gift He promised to give when we ask as His children. I feel like it's just supposed to be the theme tonight. Um, It's John chapter 7. It says, on the last day, verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Do you ever notice that passage? Jesus says, whoever believes in me, okay, that's us in this room. Whoever believes in me, As the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Okay, it's it's, it's what we just sang about, you know, from the inside out. You know, like something's supposed to happen for those of us who believe where, where there's this river that flows from us that just keeps on coming. Not a trickle, not an intermittent thing, but just he goes, if you believe in me, there's going to be this, this, this river of life flowing out of your heart. And I was thinking about that. Like so much of scripture is about from the inside like inside of you. I mean, do people describe you as a person that just has this river of life flowing? Even this morning at our pastor's gathering, someone started singing that song. We all started singing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And I, I never even realized that's where this passage was from. I just thought it was a goofy song, splish splash, you know, and, uh, but thinking, no, that's supposed to be true like this river of living water. But it says that he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Remember when Jesus told them, look, it's going to be to your advantage that I go away because unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. And right here, while Jesus is on the earth, he's like, I can't do it right now. I I can't have the spirit enter into your heart. I haven't been glorified yet. And yet in John 17, he says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so your son may glorify you. Okay, this is it. My life's over. Get me back up there. Let me be glorified so that I can send the Holy Spirit. He says, I can't do that when I'm down here. I have to go up there, and I don't understand that. You think, well, couldn't you do it? You can do anything, but somehow in Scripture, he's just saying, look, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to be glorified, and unless I go, I can't send him. So we just take his word and go, okay. I don't get it, but he says it. And he says, and when I send him, he's going to enter into you and you're going to have these springs of living water. 
coming from your heart. That means it's not me or your pastor talking you into something. You know, that means you don't need this giant accountability group that's like calling you every day. Hey, how come you didn't read? How come? How come? How? No, it's inside like something miraculous that Jesus couldn't do while he was on the earth. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to be glorified and I'm going to send him. And when he comes, he's going to be inside of you and out of your heart will come these, these rivers, this river of living water. Man, is that true of you? I, I was, um, you know, reading this week, you know, in Acts and, you know, as you all were. And wasn't it kind of strange? I mean, like in Acts 19, when he goes to Ephesus and it's kind of a confusing passage, right? Because it says, um, and it happened, verse one, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he says, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That's Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Okay, a lot of weird things about that passage, right? It's like, first of all, they were disciples that didn't really know about Jesus um, or not much. They didn't even know about Jesus' baptism. They didn't even, they said, we haven't even heard Holy Spirit. Who's that? And yet these are disciples. And then they, he baptizes them, but it says he baptizes them in the name of Jesus. Then after he baptizes them in the name of Jesus, then he lays hands on them and the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they just start speaking in tongues and prophesying. These 12 people. Now, it didn't always happen like that, right? When you read through the book of Acts, you're like, gosh, I mean, there's some pattern, but it's different each time. So it leaves us kind of confused. I mean, I've been studying this for 30 something years, you know, and going, okay, but it's different here than it is here than it is here. And so what is it? It can be kind of confusing because you go, okay, and was I supposed to be baptized into the name of Jesus only? Some say that. And then he's like, well, but Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these guys are baptized in John's baptism with their hands. And then and it's like, well, does the Holy Spirit enter into you? Like, when? You know, then you read in Acts 2, you know, where... Uh, where, uh, you know, that Peter's first sermon and in verse uh, 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So there he says, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say anything about laying hands or a second baptism here. It just says, hey, you repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you today, the Pentecost, you know, for your children and for those far off, us 2,000 years later. It's the same promise. But haven't we all heard about this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And some say, well, yeah, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit coming upon you. There's the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the Spirit entering you at conversion. And you're like, oh, man, which one's which? You know, that there's times when the Holy Spirit falls upon someone for a special reason. And, and he says, look, when the Holy Spirit, and he tells the, the disciples, did the disciples have the Holy Spirit in them? Like, but then sometimes when Jesus was on the earth, he did send people out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember when he sent out the 70 and the 12, they went out and they were casting out demons in the power of the Holy Spirit. So does everything make sense to you now? You know, but then, it, and then you're reading in Revelation and it's talking about these pillars of fire, these seven pillars of fire. And those are the, those represent the spirit of God. It's like seven spirits. Like I'm telling you, it is such a mystery. And here's what I believe we need to know. Okay. There's no such thing as a Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit. Okay. You take Acts 2 and it says you repent and you will receive the Holy Spirit. You repent, be baptized, and this is a promise. You read Romans 8 verse 9. It says you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Okay, so it's like you don't belong to God if you don't have his spirit in you. This is the seal of our salvation. This is what happens. Now, there are many other verses that talk about being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that we're commanded to do that um, in um, Ephesians 5, you know, he commands us, be continually filled. It's a command to keep on filling yourself with the Holy Spirit. And uh, it, it's in that phrase where he says, hey, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be continually filled with the Spirit. It's just like getting drunk. It's, you can't stay drunk unless you keep filling yourself up with more alcohol. You know, not that... I know that much about it, but Kelly tells me. Um, it is, I'm picking on you again. I get back and I just, okay. But uh, the whole idea is it's not this one time if I drink enough, I'll be drunk for the rest of my life. And then in the same way, he uses that illustration for the spirit. Like when I am filled with the spirit, man, 
He says, keep on filling yourself with the Spirit. And it seems like there's things we can do where he says, speak to one another. You know, greet one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know, give thanks to God always. Keep this melody going on in your heart. Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Those are things we do to, to keep the Spirit going. And it's, also, and it's hard to know in that passage, does it mean if we do those things, it will be Spirit-filled? Or is it if we're Spirit-filled, we will do those things? And again, in the original language, it doesn't really show. It just says, well... If you're filled, here's what's going to happen. And if you do these things, it's just, it's kind of, this equals this. What comes first? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not clear on that. And uh, so I'm reading all this stuff and thinking, okay, let me explain it to everyone. Um, the difference between filling and anointing and um, the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And what's the one-time act? What's the keep on doing it act? What's all of this stuff? And... And I realized, I still don't know. Um, I I would just be lying if I said, okay, I figured it out. Here it is. Uh, And my views keep changing on this and this and this. But then there was one passage that came to mind that I felt like, okay, this is what we're going to do tonight. There's one passage where Jesus says this. He says, in uh, Luke 11, verse 5, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are in bed. I can't give, get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Okay? That's like if my next door neighbor tonight, you know, Rocio, comes over. Hey, you know, I have some friends. You know, can you get me three loaves of bread? Um, And we just happen to have three loaves of bread. You know, but I'm just like, oh, really? You know, but if she keeps knocking, I'm going to go. Okay, I, I mean, what am I going to do? I, I, the kids are up by now. So she's banging on the door. I'm going to do this. Just, just humor. And then he goes on. And he says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, I was just thinking about that passage. And he's going, okay, it's, it's, are, you, are you questioning the goodness of this God up there? He's looking at me and goes, Francis, you're evil. Even in your, your wickedness, you would never, if your son asked for, you know, a piece of bread, that you're going to give him a snake? I mean, if, if you give him a, you know, he asked for an egg, and you're like, no, I'm going to kill you instead. Eat this. He's like, 
come on. He goes, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. Man, like, I think I'm a pretty good dad. You know, like, I just love giving gifts to my kids. And he's saying, and you're evil. You're just this human, fallen, whatever, and you love to give gifts to your own kids. Right, Rachel? I got you good gifts growing up. Yeah, thank you. And I got you a husband. (laughs) I was like, me, I found him. Okay, like, I... As a, as a human being, like, man, I give good gifts to my kids. That's so, you know, and God just going, Francis, what do you think? You really think like you're going to be more generous? And he says, so you're going to ask me for the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to give you something else? Man, you'll give your neighbor, you'll get up in the middle of the night for your neighbor. You'll give good gifts to your kids. What do you think I am? Like a lesser version of you? And I was thinking about this passage because it's like we can get so concerned. Like, God, am I asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now or the anointing or the, or the Holy Spirit coming upon me for a specific task? Or have I never had the Holy Spirit? I, I'm scared I'm going to ask for the wrong one. Really? Or are we supposed to use this as little children and go, God, I don't know. Our pastor doesn't even know. know, Like, we don't know. I mean, what's God going to do tonight if, if we just come before him and say, God, okay, I don't know. I just know I want more of the Holy Spirit. Like, I know I want more. I mean, there's sins in my life that should be dead by now. And it's still in there. And I want it gone. That I, I know I've blessed some people here and there, but I'm not sure it's even a spiritual gift. Like, I want more of that. There's supposed to be power that comes upon me to be your witness. I want all of that. There's this fruit that's supposed to be in me, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And I meet unbelievers that are kinder than me and that have more peace than I do and have more joy than I do. God, I want your spirit. God, we're supposed to do the same things that Jesus did. He says, you're going to do the same things I did and even greater works than these. And you look at your life and you're going, God, I'm not seeing that yet. And so all of these things, the Bible says, is the power of the Holy Spirit. And going back with the verse that we started, it's just, there's supposed to be this river of living water just coming out from our hearts. There's supposed to be this power. Like everyone should look at us at work, at, you know, in our neighborhood and go, man, what is up with you? Like there should be an obvious You know, difference between someone who is filled with the spirit and someone who's not. It's just like if someone's filled with alcohol, he's going to act different than everyone else. And in the same way, when you're filled with the spirit, there's this river of life coming from you. There's power. There are these gifts for the rest of us and for this whole body. Just to bring this joy, this light everywhere. It's a tremendous, tremendous power. 
And I just thought, you know what? What if we just tonight just came as little kids? Picture yourself as a two or three-year-old. We have any two, three-year-olds in here? No, not really. No, we had an infant. Yeah, probably one. All right, that doesn't help. Okay, <laughs> two or three-year-old. You know, just picture a toddler. They're just the best. That is our absolute favorite stage because they just make no sense, but they think they know everything. And I just love it. Like we want, I mean, we would just, that's our favorite age. We just have two-year-olds all day if we didn't have the baby face. Um, but, hey, we don't like babies. And, and it, it's, uh, but is there something so cool with a two or three-year-old where, you know, I just, I was hanging out with Silas all afternoon. Um, he's our two, three? three-year-old, and uh, man, I just had a blast because he's just so goofy, and he just, he'll just answer you like he knows what he's talking about. It makes no sense, and we just have these conversations, and I just laugh, and then I just love him, and then I'll hug him, and, and just to picture myself that way before God, where I'm just this goofy toddler, so look at Francis trying to explain the anointing, you know? So cute. He's so cute down there. Like, it really is. It's just like, ah, uh, who do I think I am? And just to come before God and go, Dad, I just want filling of your spirit. I want everything I read about in that book. I, I, I want all of it. I want all of it. I want that character. I want that power. I want that gifting. I want all of it, everything. And so I thought, what if we just had the elders and, and maybe some of the leaders and women's leadership up here? And for the rest of us who feel led, just saying, just to come up and say, look, all I know, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, some of you in this room, maybe you're going, I don't know if I've ever given my life to Jesus because nothing's changed. I feel like I'm just dead. And then we just tell you right now, like he says, it's about a repentance. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's a promise. It's a promise to us. He specifically says, you, your children, and those who are far off. This is not something that was supposed to just happen back then. It was a miracle that's supposed to happen today. And I thought, what if we had people come and just say, I want more. I don't know if I've ever had the Holy Spirit in my life. And if he comes through baptism, baptize me in the Holy Spirit right now. I don't know if I'm just weak right now and I need an anointing. I don't know if I just have a task coming up and I just need him to come upon me for this task. I don't know what it is. I'm just coming as a kid saying, I can't do it on my own. I need this so badly. And I just thought we could just have a time where the elders and some leaders are just up here laying hands on you. You don't even need to explain anything. Just tell them your name. They may not even need to know your name. You're just in faith going, I want this. I want more of this. So I feel totally at peace with 
not understanding everything and going, I don't, I don't get it. I wrote a book about the Holy Spirit, and I don't understand. You know, it's like, I am still wrestling. And I think that's what we're supposed to do, is not have all the answers. Paul says, I want to be a steward of the mysteries of God. A steward of the mysteries of God. He doesn't say, I want to be a know-it-all and have the answers to everything. I'm just trying to steward the mysteries of God. And as I prayed about this, I just thought, what if God in heaven looked down here at his kids humbly saying, God, I don't get it. I just know where my life is at and I want more of you. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.